0: chapter one part four of the life and letters of elizabeth Prentice by george Prentice. this LibriVox recording is in the public domain recording by Teresa downey a brief notice of the general type of religious life and thought which prevailed at this time in new england will throw light upon both the preceding and following pages elizabeth's early christian character although largely shaped by that of her father was also like his vitally affected by the religious spirit and methods then dominant several distinct elements entered into the piety of new england at that period there was first of all the old puritan element which the pilgrim fathers and their immediate successors brought with them from the mother country and which had been nourished by the writings of the great puritan divines of the seventeenth century such as baxter howell bunyan owen matthew henry and Flavell by the imitation of christ and bishop taylor's holy living and dying and by such writers as doddridge watts and jonathan edwards of the last century this lay at the foundation of the whole structure giving it strength solidity earnestness and power but it was modified by the so-called evangelical element which marked large sections of the church of england and most of the dissenting bodies in great britain during the last half of the eighteenth and the early part of the nineteenth century the writings of john newton richard cecil hannah moore thomas scott cowper wilberforce lay richmond john foster andrew fuller and robert hall not to mention others were widely circulated in new england and had great influence in its pulpits and its christian homes their admirable spirit infused itself into thousands of lives and helped in many ways to improve the general tone both of theological and devotional sentiment but another element still was the new evangelical spirit which inaugurated and still informs those great movements of christian benevolence both at home and abroad that are the glory of the age dr payson's ministry began just before the formation of the american board of commissioners for foreign missions and before his death mission work had come to be regarded as quite essential to the piety and prosperity of the church the lives of daniel Brainerd, henry martin harriet newell and others like them were household books nor should the revival elements be omitted in enumerating the forces that then shaped the piety and religious thought of new england the growth of the church and the advancement of the cause of christ were regarded as inseparable from this influence a revival was the constant object of prayer and effort on the part of earnest pastors and of the more devout among the people far more stress was laid upon special seasons and measures of spiritual interest and activity than now less upon christian nurture as a means of grace and upon the steady normal development of church life many of the most eminent devoted and useful servants of christ whose names during the last half-century have adorned the annals of american faith and zeal owed their conversion or if not their conversion some of their noblest and strongest christian impulses to revivals of religion to all these should perhaps be added another element namely that of the new spirit of reform in the new ethical tone which during the 3rd and 4th decades of this century especially wrought with such power in new england of this influence and of the philanthropic idea that inspired it dr channing may be regarded as the most eminent representative it brought to the front the humanity and moral teaching of christ as at once the pattern and rule of all true progress whether individual or social and it was widely felt even where it was not distinctly recognized or understood Whatever errors or imperfections may have belonged to it, this influence did much to soften the dogmatism of opinion, to arouse a more generous Catholic type of sentiment, to show that the piety of the New Testament is a principle of universal love to man as well as love to God, and to emphasize the sovereign claims of personal virtue and social justice. These truths, to be sure, were not new, but in the great moral reform movements and conflicts to a certain extent even in theological discussions that marked the times they were asserted and applied with extraordinary clearness and energy of conviction and as the event has proved they were harbingers of a new era of christian thought culture and conduct both in private and public life such were some of the religious influences which surrounded mrs prentice during the first twenty years of her life and which helped to form her character she was also strongly affected especially while passing from girlhood into early womanhood by the literary influences of the day poetry and fiction were her delight she was very fond of wordsworth tennyson and longfellow while the successive volumes of dickens were read by her with the utmost avidity mrs payson's house was a good deal visited by scholars and men of culture her eldest daughter had already become somewhat widely known by her writings in the extent variety and character of her attainments she was in truth a marvel indeed she quite overshadowed the younger sister by her learning and her highly intellectual conversation and yet elizabeth also attracted no little attention from some who had been first drawn to the house by their friendship for louisa among her warmest admirers was mr john neal then well known as a man of letters He predicted for her a bright career as an author still it was her personal character that most interested the visitors at her mother's house this may be illustrated by an extract from a letter of mr hamlin to a friend of the family in new york written in april 1838 while he was their temporary pastor mr hamlin has since become known throughout the christian world by his remarkable career as a missionary in turkey and as organizer of robert college a few months after the letter was written he sent sail for constantinople accompanied by his wife whose early death was the cause of so much grief amongst all who knew her i should like to write a long letter about dear elizabeth i have seen her more since louisa left and i love her more she has a peculiar charm for me i think she has a quick and excellent judgment refined sensibilities and an instinctive perception of what is fit and proper it seems to me there is a great deal of purity of the spirituel about her feelings but i cannot tell you exactly what it is that makes me think so highly of her it is a nameless something resulting from her whole self from her sweet face and mouth her eye full of love and soul her form and motion i do not think she likes me much i have paid so much attention to louisa and so little to herself yet she is not one of those who claim attention but rather shrinks from it she may have faults of which i have no knowledge but i am charmed with everything i have seen of her how strange are the chance coincidences of human life! In another letter to the same friend in New York, in which Mr. Hamlin refers in a similar manner to Elizabeth, occur these words. In a few weeks I hope to be in Dorset, among the Green Mountains, where my thoughts and feelings have their centre above all places on this earth. I wish you could be present at my wedding, there on the 3rd of September. How little did he dream when penning these words! Or did his friend dream while reading them? That after the lapse of more than forty years, the dear Elizabeth would find her grave near by the old parsonage in which that wedding was to be celebrated, while the dust of the lovely daughter of Dorset would be sleeping on the distant shores of the Bosphorus. End of chapter one, part four of The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice by George Prentice. Recording by Teresa Downey.